You've come to rely on those Canadian lads as a trusted source of news and information. Where the term, no spin zone, doesn't need to be uttered because it would be preposterous if we even attempt to put a spin on facts. No, we at those Canadian lads only speak the truth. When you wanted to know who the Oilers should trade for Jake DeBrusque, where did you turn? When you needed to find out how predators are picking you out of a crowd and planning your immediate destruction, where did you turn? When you need to know the latest in UFO news, or at least the names of those providing the news, or a crackpot theory on how the government is using the fear of an imminent alien attack to help divert more money into the military's pockets, where did you turn? That's right. Not a reputable news source, but the only source. Those Canadian lads. Since we're lovers of patterns and routines, you may have guessed. Six times four equals episode 24. The return of the political rodeo in Saskatchewan correspondent Bo. Before we get going though, boys, and I trust both of you are doing well this evening, I have a question that I've been pondering for the fa- past few days. Is there an age in which that it is now sad that you post your thoughts and feelings to a social media account? Gentlemen. Extra, extra. Read all about it. We're the news. We're the news. We, hey, we're like Ezra Levant and Keenan Bexty now. Keenan Bexty left. He left. What? Yeah, he, he left. That's right. He did. Look at look at Jeff. He's on the ball with Rebel. He, he what? Gotta, uh, I'm paying attention. Wh- why? Well, we'll get into why he left. But what was the question again? If you you share your feelings and thoughts on social media. So, so I was thinking about this. Um, and I'll I'll go to you too first, of course. Uh, and Bo has probably got a better perspective because I as I I believe you still have your social media accounts shut down there, Bo, because of everything going on with censorship. Oh, he's smiling. He's back, <laughs> baby, he's back. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I got sucked. All right. Me. All right. Then you even better opinion. Then so I was I was thinking of this as I was scrolling through my accounts and mainly answering to my own podcast account, which I don't tweet from. I I just respond to it. But I was thinking about. Is it sad that I'm still responding to social media accounts at my age? Should I be posting my thoughts and feelings? If I, if I, should I have grown out of this at this point? And I know that's probably not a popular thing to say amongst, we're, consider we're giving a podcast out and sharing our thoughts and feelings, but what, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, I'll jump in first, Bo. So yep. I do share my thoughts and feelings, especially when I get very angry and very upset at certain people on, especially during the Twitter platform, right? So on Facebook, I'm sharing, you know, photos of my son getting a haircut or, you know, us, uh, you know, playing in the yard or something like that. That's family-based stuff. Uh, A few jokes here and there. I saw a great, uh, oh, I did share a great fight on Facebook the other day. Somebody had posted a a fight by two drunk guys and they put the Mortal Kombat uh, music to it. (laughs) And the the guy uh, did like a right cross kick to the guy's chest i'll uh, i'll share it with uh everybody on our social media feed but uh that's the the basis of my uh my uh thoughts and feelings is all on twitter especially when i get angry at idiots on on twitter so and you idiots might be listeners of the podcast so i apologize Bo, what's your thoughts well i was a, i was a huge twitter fan for quite a while and then as as trump went down and they did all that censorship i was just kind of taken back with all the censorship, not even just strictly with Trump by any means, just purely the principle of what they were doing. So I, I killed the account and, and just went off into a drift and stayed on Instagram and Instagram. I've mentioned before, I like Instagram because it's, it's a candy land of a lot of things you like. It can bring you uh, you know a lot of smiles through the day, whether whatever your hobbies are, if you're into cars or 
racing or fishing or hunting or whatever you're into, it's on Insta. And, uh, but there is a bit of political on Insta too. So it's a nice balance of Candyland, a little bit of political back and forth where Twitter is just pure, pure hate and, and, and just pure, <laughs> pure, uh, tribal, uh, you know, assaults on everyone. So saying that I went back to Twitter just a couple weeks ago when Ontario did the full lockdown, a good buddy of mine, he'd went off Twitter and he got back on Twitter just to see how crazy Ontario was going to go with their lockdown. And then I decided I better check it out too. And I, I kind of came to the realization that I can't post on Twitter that much anymore because my grammar is so bad. I used to get beat up <laughs> by all the liberals. And now I just take like memes and pictures and I put them on Instagram where I don't have to spell check or do anything and just take a photo of something I like and throw it out there. And that way I'm not getting completely hassled about my grammar all the time. So I play them both, but Instagram is a nice balance. And I find even this last two weeks with Twitter, I've found, you know, kind of being back on there, it's got that energy that's, that's not a good energy. And it's, it's starting to consume a bit and it's, it's getting my gears turning and it's, it's maybe, maybe I, I might have to clip it again. It's negative energy. It, it's in every form too. It could be political. It could be sports. It could be anything like UFOs, everything. It's everything is on Twitter leans towards just negative criticism or or something just shitty right so like jeff i sent you you're you were like who, who's talking about uh evan bouchard who evan bouchard blah 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 and i went off on a fucking rant last week about you <laughs> yeah. know stupid oiler fans bitching about a defenseman who's l- literally killing it this year and tyson berry I know Bo's not a big hockey watcher, but this guy's killing it, Bo. An Oiler fan, there's a segment of Oiler fans that are bitching and p- complaining because this guy's doing well and that they're going to have to resign him for too much money and they and a prospect might not make it or might not be in the fold. So Jesus Murphy. Yeah, no Twitter Twitter <laughs> Twitter is 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 100% tribal and you you go in there and when you sign in or whatever you're going to do, you you assess to your tribe. And whether it's sports, political, or whatever. And the other thing I'm finding with Twitter, too, is I personally believe when it comes to the political side with Trudeau and the and the left, that it, there's a lot of bots and a lot of propaganda being pushed through there. I, don't, I read the comments, and sometimes I'm absolutely... There's just no way I can believe some of the comments from people that they're actual... Uh, they're not some government-paid uh, outpost for bullshit. They're just too, they're too goofy. They're too How do goofy. we get that job? How do you get that gig? I don't know. Yeah, I think you'd, you'd probably just have to put a little creativity behind it and get people going. But I Jeff, actually, isn't I right, though? Like, I sent, I didn't even look for that comment. And, like, I just literally found it that one day scrolling through. And it's just like, see? Here's some bullshit from some bullshit Euler fan. You you did send me a tweet. <laughs> that, uh, I Yeah, I agree with you. I, I disagree with the comment. And I agree that... Uh, people are posting negative comments in regards to Tyson Berry and what he's going to potentially do. But I guess, I, I guess my next question would be then, and I'm kind of just pondering this a little bit, because maybe I, I felt a little bit foolish because I've tweeted more in the last two weeks than probably the previous like five years combined. I love it. Get I sucked love it. in. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. I, I feel like I'm getting sucked in a little bit. But it's like, and I kind of agree with Bo's assertion of Instagram. Like, I I follow a lot of weightlifting on it, a lot of sports, and to me, it's kind of like a safe haven to a certain extent. But now, I will say that with the negativity, just like it is with politics or sport, 
I, I follow a lot of people who fight with people over nutritional advice. And I'm like, how can this be such an opinionated thing? So I don't know. Maybe it is just the environment of it. And maybe it, it just draws negativity no matter what it does. So well, I kind of lost my train of thought on that. To be it, it, no, I mean, it, it's it's and you know what, what what you just left off of, of of people arguing over nutrition, that's on everything. And that's prime prime, uh, you know, to walk into the covid issue. You know, you know, the COVID issue, the vaccine issue, the passport issue. It's just another thing that, uh, but with a way more horsepower behind it than nutrition, uh, you know, the horsepower of the full establishment media. And, uh, you know, it, it's just another segue to divide, cause conflict. And um, it's just, I mean, if you're paying attention to it on Twitter, it's, it's, uh, it's just getting crazy, isn't it, Brad? Oh, I agree hundred percent. Like, like I said, it's a cesspool of just negativity and shit. You're waiting knee deep and shit every day you spend in, uh, Twitter land. And, uh, it is entertainment though. You know, it's funny. Like there's a new uh, line being thrown out there. He's like, everybody, you hear it every once in a while. So something, you see something crazy on Twitter, but he's like, can you believe this app is free? Cause it's like, it's just w- watching a car wreck, you yeah. watch a train wreck. Uh, Bo, Bo did actually bring me into one of the things I wanted to talk about there. And so thank you, Bo. But the I was having a few conversations with people and something I hadn't considered. Um, and maybe it's my own personal kind of personality or how I view things. But um, I was talking to somebody from the Maritimes. And then I had uh, another conversation from people with uh, in Western Canada as well. And people were effectively explaining to me that the, the stigma of returning with COVID or getting sick and spreading COVID is causing division amongst neighbors and causing people to really lash out at friends and family in regards to, hey, you potentially got me sick. How dare you? And maybe maybe I never had seen it that way. I, I just kind of seen it as like during a pandemic, there's an opportunity for any one of us to get sick at any point in time. Like, let's face it, we have to go get groceries we have to go, uh, a lot of us go to work still. A lot of us are interacting in public and you might be taking the correct safety precautions. You might not be. But uh, have either of you guys heard anything about like the, the neighbors calling out neighbors, yeah. friends calling out friends? So here's the thing. It's a virus. You can't control giving a virus to someone, unfortunately, other than like if you're not wearing a mask, well, if you're not... <laughs> <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah. you're, you're breaking my train of thought man sorry sorry i apologize and anyways anyways like you're not spitting in people's mouths transferring each other you know droplets of covid you know kids are going to school not they're following the rules we can touch on the effects of that you know all that junk going on but um yeah, there's a stigma out there when people get COVID or if they pass on COVID, it, it, it's faced with, you know, real, real negativity in some cases. And it, it like almost strains relationships in some ways, right? Like I would never want to give my neighbor COVID and I never think my neighbor would want to give me COVID or another coworker. So, you know, it's real. I've seen it in firsthand with people and then people who have had COVID, you know, they're almost like sheepish in a way like, Oh, do you, do you think I should come back or should, you know, like they're, they're worried about how they're going to be seen and it's not their fault. You know, they're just 
they, they've had to go through something and either they've gotten sick or they didn't get very sick, you know, depending on, you know, where they sit. But, um, yeah. I, uh, does that answer your question, Jeff? Well, and I, yeah, sure. And Jeff, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say Jeff, I've seen really any of that issue with people that have had COVID, but what I have seen is people's opinions of COVID so, I mean, I haven't really been around anyone that's had COVID or I haven't had a family member. You're in Saskatchewan. Did anybody get COVID? No, there? no, it doesn't exist here. Uh, <laughs> but but what I have seen is your views of COVID. And, and I mean, it's, you know, people right away, if you tend not to be, uh, you know, if you tend to be a little bit more questionable of it or or try to push the facts of you know, that it's not as bad as the media. I, I, I see a lot of people get pushed into a corner where, Hey, Oh, he's a go a COVID denier or he's this or that. No, he's not a, no one's a COVID denier. It's just, you're trying to make uh, clear facts and points to, to, to your views and opinions of how bad is it? And is, are the ends justifying the means and uh, immediately uh, people's guard go up and it's either, either once again, either in one camp or the other camp. And if you happen well, to be in the, in the, it's camp. funny, Bo, that you bring that up. So you sent actually me some stats on just COVID numbers and, and things like that. But it's, it's funny. They use the stats of cases, ICU, um, beds being used. Uh, all these statistics are being used, but they're not using the full set of statistics as well. Right. But at the end of the day, too, it depends on what matters to people. And every individual, you know, has an opinion on, on what matters to them and, and what should matter to them. And um, at the end of the day, what's important to me is that, you know, vaccines get into people's arms. So the numbers need to go up, in my opinion. But if we start seeing deaths go down, we're obviously moving in the right direction. And I think that's happening. We're seeing cases go up, but we're seeing deaths go down. But there's certain segment of the population, they're not buying into that completely yet they're still saying well no cases are up cases are up and you know when do we start seeing some light at the end well, of the tunnel well one thing brad just quickly like if you look over the last year and a half everyone's done their part they've for the most part everything's been put into law social distance mask as soon as the vaccines hit the scene um come uh, march or february everyone did you know majority of po the population 80 90 percent have done everything by the book and we keep telling, we've been told from day one, we got to do this, we got to do this, but yet the numbers are skyrocketing, but we still social distance, we're still wearing uh, the mask and, and the vaccines are going out as quickly as Trudeau can get them into the country, but the numbers are climbing, the variants are coming, the variants are coming. And, and now, now, they're, now as the variants are coming in and everybody's kind of still kind of jarred of what's going on, the same time they're immediately hammering you with, Hey, better get your vaccine or the, you're going to have to have a passport and you could be segregated out of the population and you could be this and you could be. And what scares me about all of that is, um, and I'm not taking it as a pro or anti-vax, but once you sign up for, if society signs up for a full blown uh, vaccine passport for everything, that means, you know, all the people that just got their shot this year and kind of thought we could, that means you've now signed up for boosters and quarterly vaccines all the time to go on a flight because once the cards and everything's developed it's going to be like did you get your last when was your last so that you're already into the system then once that's up and set up there's no going back like 
that's what scares me. It's, it's not everyone who thinks, well, I'm just going to get my two shots or three shots and you know, this will all fade away. No, no, that's not what's going to happen. Once it's set up, it's going to be, Oh, you want to go to Vegas? Well, did you get, you, you got to go get last month's shot. You don't have your shot seven months old. You need last month's shot. So you're going to be into a virtual nonstop, uh, I would say twice a year minimum boosters. And every time there's a new variant, it's once that system set up, it's you're done. That's the system. If I'm going to Vegas, I'm not worrying about COVID hurting me. I'm worrying about a lot more other things hurting me because my first trip to, to Vegas going forward here, it's going to be good. <laughs> and, and I agree with you, Brad. But my point is what I don't think everyone realizes is once we once we hand over the keys to that, once we say, okay, we're okay with it, you're not, you're not going to get, that's it. You're into that system. Yeah, but you, you know, know what? what? I like mean. I, I, I'm. Am I the only one in this room that uh, I've I've got my COVID? I've got my my AZ AstraZeneca flowing through my veins right now. Can I ask if you? That's a quick what question. it does. Yeah. Can yeah. I ask you a quick question though on that, Brett? I, and I'm I'm fine with that. And I think everyone who wants, but are you okay with once we go to the next step? Are you okay with? a society where now it's mandatory for boosters and, and multiple shots throughout the year for endless, for endless, for, for eternity. So whatever comes down the pipe next, whatever variant comes next, whatever issue comes next, once we go this route and everybody is uh, fully hugging and endorsing the vaccine passport, you can't opt out then. Now, Brad, no, I'm not good with a vaccine passport. I'm good with pulling my, societal duty in, yeah, in and, getting and I, the vaccine. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. arguing that at all. I no, just no, think, I know. And I just think that it's a really slippery slope. Like, I just think what you're doing is very honorable. Lots of people are doing that. But I think if we're too quick as a society to say, hey, yeah, we all need to, you know what? I got my shot. Uh, I think we all need to just, you know, we just got to have our vaccine passport. That's going to come with a, that's, that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a, that's like playing Russian roulette, but you only get one empty cylinder. You got to put five bullets in the gun and spin the revolver, but you only get one empty instead of really when Russian roulette, you get one bullet and six empties. If that makes sense. I, yeah, I, I does. And I, I would probably say that, uh, in, I, I share your sentiment, Bo. Um, I am concerned about, um, you know, the routine yearly booster being required for whatever variant is being thrown out there. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a government initiated idea. I I am concerned about uh, pharmaceutical companies, you know, arbitrarily just saying like, hey, well, we need to keep vaccinating everyone. Oh, it's a license gonna, to print money, dude. It, it, exactly. And, and that's where I get I'm concerned now. Now, I will say that um, I know one of them has come forward and said that there probably will be a booster required for their shots. Now, once again, that that's kind of the first domino to fall to a certain extent. Uh, I'll wait and see how it f- tumbles after that before I become too concerned about anything. But I will, yeah, like Bo said, if it's like every six months, you got to roll up your sleeve and take another shot and then prove it for every event, every flight, every major gathering. Um, I will, I will be concerned about uh, it going in that direction. Can you imagine going to a sporting event and having to show proof of vaccination to go to a sporting event? Oh, you got to show proof of your ticket. So yeah, but you're fucking (laughs) buying a ticket. That's a big difference. Flash both. But, you know, when did it become 
Well, well, I might be stealing your point, but like when, when did it become, Hey, I'll take all the, all the help I can get. Oh no, but (laughs) (laughs) okay to share. That's personal information though. Is it not? Well, to be fair, to be, it hasn't happened yet. So you're right. If it does happen, that is concerning. It's got to, we have to, this is my point is we have to watch this very carefully. Like I have a feeling society is marching forward with like what Brad said, very good intentions um, to do the right thing and to just move society along so we can get over this ugly hurdle. And that's all good. And I have a feeling a lot of people are doing that, but if we're not careful, we're going to hand the keys over and, and all of a sudden we're going to turn around and go, wait a minute. Uh, this has got now, this is all, this is all set up as the framework. You're not, it's not going to be able to be very easy to get out of. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I you know what? I, I just one quick note. And I know you too, uh, uh, this is an inside joke, but I'm going to go there. I don't care. This is, this sets you up for a Chinese, uh, credit, credits, uh, social, like oh, credit. Social oh. credit. This, this, this can, this can Brad, this is how, they, this is how you get into, how you get into a system like that. I don't know if Bo remembers the challenge from six six episodes ago, but I think you might owe Brad lunch based upon the fact that you brought it up. But twenty twenty five when I see him, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Send me some skipped dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. There is a there is the idea of a potentially social credit system. Are are you participating in the society that we want beyond what? you know, what we currently have established. Is, is it going to go beyond that? But I wanted to, uh, I don't know, did you guys catch Joe Rogan's comments this week about about the vaccine? I did. No, educate me, please. So I don't have too much because Joe Rogan's podcasts are just far too long for me to digest while I have a real life. But um, he effectively said that, you know, he, him and his family have either fought it off or have had it at one point or another. And he was effectively just expressing some concerns and like, if, if you're a healthy 21-year-old individual who eats well, works out, takes care of yourself, should you consider not getting the vaccine? And in his opinion, it's something that he probably is like, yeah, no, I would, if I was that individual, I probably would lean away from getting it myself. And I, I know he's taken a lot, of, a lot of heat as a result of his opinion. And quite frankly, whether or not I agree with it or disagree with it, he's entitled to share his opinion. He has a podcast network that's huge. But I, I guess I'm, I'm not really too concerned about um, his opinion on whether or not a 21-year-old who's healthy should get the vaccine. But is this a concern in regards to people shouting him down for expressing his opinion, which is always kind of something we discuss in regards to censorship? Well, because I just Googled it. Um, basically, it said in a recent episode of the podcast, Joe Rogan uh, said that healthy young people should not get the vaccine, a statement that stands in contract contrast to all credible public health advice so this is the whole you know science versus whatever that means right there's that whole stance that whole portion of the the public that says well it's science it's science you need to do it so why don't we treat other anti-vaxxers the same way you know like i'm somebody with the vaccine in my own my own arm right now in my own body i've chosen to my own arm. Nobody owns this arm. Not even China. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, um, now you owe me lunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, that's the thing, right? So p- people who don't vaccinate their kids, you know, who put their, uh, you know, like I, I vaccinated my kids, you know, like I believe that there are things in, in 
the world that you need to do and you got to take care of your children in certain ways and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to sit on a podium and say, you know, whatever, but like we, why are we treating people who, is it because COVID's the, the topic of the day? And if you stand up against it, you're a monster. Well, there's a few things to this though. The first of all, I think what Joe was kind of alluding to is he's looking at the, 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 you know, the actual, risk of COVID to the to someone young and healthy. And when you do that, you're looking at a uh, 0.04% death rate or... or you, no, but, I got the stats here. It's, yeah. it's got a 99.94% survival rate. It's yeah, so, a 0.04% death rate. Deaths by age. There you go. Zero to 19, six people. Yeah, out of 20 40, to 39, 133. Out of 40 million. So, so, yeah. so I think what Joe's alluding to, you, you know, just on the COVID vaccine itself, that anyone who's young, healthy and looks after himself, there's absolutely no risk here. There's zero risk. But by on the other th- side, and I'll play devil's advocate, the more people that get vaccinated, the less the spread, the less, you know, risk well, to a- people, elderly people, which it goes through old age homes like wildfire. So which has 35,000 of the whatever deaths that we've had, the majority of them are over 80. So, you know, cray. Well, I, I guess that brings up an actually interesting question. Is it, is it more important to concern yourself with the collective good as opposed to your individual good? Oh, that's a good topic. That's a good, pro- that's a good, that's a good one, Jeffrey. Oh, I know where yeah. I lie. <laughs> I, Cause there is that, like I said, I'm not picking a side necessarily, but you could make an argument. This is like, should I be more concerned about everybody around me? Or if I am, let's say using Joe Rogan's example, a healthy 21 year old, and we don't know what this vaccine will do to people in 10 years time, 20 years time, if anything, of course. But it's just like, well, I'm not at risk. Should I take a future risk because of what's good for the collective good? Well, and the other thing too is like, you know, when you say the collective good, that's a very open statement. I mean, you know, we, we want everyone to obey the law. We don't pe- want people robbing houses and beating old people in the parking lot for the wallet. That's the collective good of society. We, we, we want to follow those rules. When it comes to the vaccine, there's risks to both sides. Uh, there's risks if you don't take the vaccine. There's risks if you take the vaccine. We had a lady in Quebec who passed away. I, I understand it's like one and there's some blood clots. It's, the risk is lower on the on taking the vaccine, but there's still risks. There's people's personal choice. Uh, I, I just think personally, uh, not being pro or anti, the moment you have to, uh, you know, that you have to be forced to, you know, let's but nobody's say, forcing anybody. No, but it, but it's kind of the the peer pressure the peer pressure of the collective good. It's it's um, it's not mandatorily forced like you're grabbed, but you're you're you, we're walking down the road of like we had mentioned earlier, where you're being segregated out. Like, well, oh, you didn't get it. Why didn't you get it? Well, uh, well, I can't let you into the concert, right? So, it's it's well, this is why it's such a tough topic, right? I mean. The COVID discrimination, are we calling it then? Well, that slash, I don't know if it's COVID or vaccine, but, uh, you know, I mean, I've read multiple articles and they don't make the CBC, but there's, I've seen articles in the States where they're saying 40% of the military refuses the vaccine for 30 to 40% of healthcare workers don't want the vaccine. You don't see that on the CBC or CTV, but if you go looking for it, those numbers are out there. Um, so 
I, I think it worked very well right up to this point. I mean, up until COVID came along, everybody who wanted a vaccine went and got a vaccine. Anyone who didn't want a vaccine basically didn't get a vaccine. I mean, uh, we both, you guys watched the UFC. Maybe you didn't, but I don't know if you've seen um, Dana White's gave a quick comment on, on Florida and the mass. You've seen that, Brad, didn't you? Yeah, I think you sent it to me. Actually. Yeah, I did. And I mean, he summed it up. I mean, down here in Florida, everyone's happy. Uh, you got 17,000 people in the stadium. Some are wearing masks. Some aren't wearing masks. And uh, he said, basically, people wearing masks, that's fine. Nobody, Nobody's upset that you're wearing a mask. And and at the end of the day, those that aren't wearing masks, that's fine. If, you, if you're going to that event and you know that half the crowd's not wearing a mask and it, and it worries you, you don't go to the event. That's all. If you want to go and wear your mask, it's the same thing as the, to me, the vaccine's no different than the mask. I mean, really at the end of the day, it's your choice. Um, there's risks. There's risks if you take it. Some people have very, very sensitive immune systems, like way more than the average person. So they, they could all of a sudden have a severe re- reaction that that's known. I mean, people, people who blindly say vaccines are 100%, a 100% proven safe, that's a that's a very ignorant statement to say that. You can't really say that. So you you always have to just leave it. You just have it worked perfectly fine up until COVID. It, it just has to be left up to the individual. <laughs> yeah, and I'll I'll equate it to smoking to a certain extent. It may be a poor analogy, but you can choose to smoke and impact your own body however you see fit. I know that uh, they say, oh, X amount of people die from secondhand smoke. I think that those stats are not legit to be honest, because you can get lung cancer from a lot of different um, methodologies. And it doesn't necessarily have to be because that a partner of yours smoked or anything like that. So it is one of those situations where it's just like, are we, there is a stigma against smoking, but it's like, I can choose to smoke or I can choose not to. And I can choose to not go in environments where there is smoke and there, there isn't any more because let's face it, the bar is about lauded for quite a long time now. But it's just like, it is your personal choice to a certain extent. You know what? I was thinking about this today. Uh, uh, I would like, cause we're Canada and the U S are both at this, our Western culture seems to have come to this, this fork in the road. And, and I would like for the next election, there's two things on the ballot. Do you want to remain in a democracy or do you want a full <laughs> communist slash uh, socialist state. So there'll be a list of things under the socialist state. I see what you're doing. And a list of the things under the democracy. And under the democracy, you get you get a reminder of what a democracy is. A democracy is, you know, free speech, uh, free choice, uh, your charter of rights and freedoms. So, so all the good things that are in the democracy are on the ballot. And then all the things under the commie system are on there. And then as if, if the country decides to go full commie, where everybody's vaxxed and you can't say anything on the internet and that's the route we're going to go. Well, let's go to a vote. Let's make sure everyone's clear on what they're voting for. And if I end up losing the country to commie because everybody wants to go that way, I guess we lost out. But right now we, we have, a, a, we have half the country that doesn't even know what they're doing. They're not smart enough to understand the two. <laughs> they're playing with now fire. With, so without saying it, you're saying it tonight. What? I think you, you owe me a dinner. Another I, dinner. I'm not. I'm not even remotely. I'm trying to pay full respect to Bo. Bo is a fucking ninja when it comes to just, <laughs> just season opening and just knife slice right through and brings what it is in. This, the I, McCarthy I, Tribunal. I, I love it. Uh, no, Bo. 
you must be miraculous convincing people to do what you want to do. Just like totally like. <laughs> people have mentioned things. People have mentioned things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? There. You did bring up a good, interesting point because obviously we, we might be breaking the law, Bo, uh, by doing this podcast, not to segue too much away from the conversation at hand being COVID, but essentially this seems like it's being drawn up because of COVID and misinformation and fake news and the whole Trump, you know, uh, segue down the states uh, of what happened there. But Bill C-10, um, you were educating us a little bit uh, before we got on the air tonight about uh, Bill C-10 and essentially a thing like this podcast, we could be getting um, uh, scrutinized by the government overlords at the CRTC. That's right. And that, that goes back to, to a re-education of the electorate to what we're playing with. I feel like we're playing with fire on, on all, all levels here and nobody really knows what they're doing. And I think we need a re-education of, hey, the beautiful democracy that we all think we kind of have and pretty much did have up till COVID. I think we need to just kind of remind everyone, hey, you know, if, if this is what we want to remain in, we got to take a step backwards and start respecting. I'm going to say that word again, respecting other people's points of views, opinions, and choices. And I mean, being that I'm very, you know, in my corner and I'll, I'll fight hard for my beliefs, but I'll always respect the most nuttiest leftist in the corner. I will still go have a beer <laughs> and respect his opinions. He'll may want to cancel me and ship me out of the country, but I'll respect his, his views. I mean, I will never not respect anyone's views. And that's the key here. I mean, whether you're pro pro censorship, uh, anything anti look at the woke culture in the States. I mean, it's starting to get a lot of backlash. Uh, people are starting to go, you know, we're not, you know, and, and Jeff had alluded this to a couple podcasts. People will vote with their dollar, right? If it comes down to the fact that I have to get a vaccine to go see a concert, well, guess what? I'm not going to see a concert. I'll, I, I will, my, my internal belief system won't be bought by a, by a Metallica ticket to the concert. I'll be like, you know what, if you're going to force me to do something that's way out of line uh, with my belief system, I'm not going to pay you my ticket. And that's just, you know, back to the, the individual being able to vote with their dollar. And when these companies start losing mega bucks and people, people start uh, realizing that, Hey, 50% of the population is not on board with this. There's going to be a change, I hope. Yeah, I think it will take, if there is going to be a pushback on anything for that matter, whether it be government response or just general day-to-day life in regards to any um, restrictions that have been put on, uh, it is going to take uh, a total pushback. Well, I guess um, that kind of does kind of go with what we've seen with people attending anti-mask rallies or uh, keeping their restaurants open against government order. It's just like they're kind of the tip of the spear in regards to we're voicing our opinion. Uh, you, you may, you know, you you may or may not like it, but you bring up something interesting. You talk about, you know, people going to rallies and this whole, you know, anti-mask, not an anti-mask, but like fighting the COVID restrictions, things like that, restaurants being open, things like that. So there was, I think it was, I don't remember the news outlet, but they were showing a video from a, from a protest in Toronto. And the first time we talked about this, it was a couple of months ago and it was a bunch of loons on young and whatever street in downtown Toronto, like 
people were a little kooky. There was the the guy with the sign that said, uh, uh, Dr. Tam needs more vitamin D um, and things like that. But the last protest I saw coming off the news in Toronto, there was a lot more normal people looking, uh, a lot more looking normal people in that crowd. And I think that's only going to increase and increase as we kind of keep going and languishing in this uh if you want to call it a lockdown, if you want to come call it a restriction type phase, I'm telling you, if we go into the fall with similar to, you know, uh, strong, you know, restrictions and, and nodding and easing up. Cause I'm telling you, I am very, very envious of what's going on in the United States. Um, watching not only sporting events, but people going out and doing business, um, you know, face to face, you know, calling on people, going to sites, going to different businesses, working normally, enjoying their lives a lot more normally. You know, if we don't start seeing that easing up in Canada, I think like the, the silent majority of people who have just been going along with it and making sure they're doing their part to keep the, the spread down, they're going to lose their, their shit. You know, if we go into a, a season where people aren't going to be going to hockey games to watch their favorite hockey team or to their curling rink or to their kids sporting events in the fall, you know, when hockey starts poking up here and, and kids aren't able to go and do their, their team sports yet and things like that. I think Joe public is going to really start to um, get tweaked a little bit and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is like, we're in, that'll be a year and a half, you know, what the hell? So I, I guess that leads me to like another question. Um, so you guys, I've made my thoughts very clear on if you attend a rally, regardless of the cause, I think you're a loser. So I, I stick with that. But I, I guess the question I would put forward is, and much like the people who attend the rallies and disrupt traffic or just are a nuisance to a certain extent, or people think you're nutter, nutty, uh, just like the government uh, hey, we're just going to do this for this time period. We're just going to do this for now. We're just doing this. And then the restrictions move and then trends look like they things should open up. They don't open up. Things look like they should close down. They don't close down. Is it a situation where regardless of whether it be you're attending the rally or you're at the government level, you've exhausted all your social slash leadership credit and now nobody will take you seriously? Well, I think it's part well, of the yeah. problem. I think that's why a lot of the cases are going up. Because one, I think but, people are tired. But but if I could touch on what Jeff said, you know, here's the thing. You know, ju- that's it. We're painting a we're painting a pretty broad brush here. But let's just say Jeff owns a very successful gym downtown Edmonton, and that gym has fed his family for Jeff years. Likes the lift, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and and the Edmonton City Council shuts Jeff down and. Jeff's now looking at losing his house and his wife's freaking out. And maybe she's thinking, you know what? We're fighting so much. Maybe, uh, maybe we're going to go to divorce. I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to lose my house. So Jeff's in a position where everything he's worked hard for, for 10, 15 years is all on the line. And, um, you know, he's got, he's looking at the media and he's looking at what's going on. He's got nothing left to lose. Jeff's got nothing left to lose to walk down to his gym open the door and say, anybody that wants to come work out here can come work out here and I'll pay the fine because you know what? I'm going to lose everything anyways. My wife's already walking out the door because we're fighting every night 
and uh, my credit cards at 50 grand because I had to buy groceries and nobody, I'm getting a thousand dollar SERB check a month. So people are all in different positions around, you know, in society. And this is the problem. If you're the whole time, and Brad and I talked about this the other day, and it's a good thing I'd like to touch on. We have a certain portion of the population, and I'm going to say it's a good 25% that are completely fine with the lockdown. There are mostly government or guaranteed um, maybe they're just heavily introverted people and they have no desire. They care less. They're, they're working from home now. Their life's easier. They're saving money and, and they don't care. They don't go to the gym. They don't care if the gym's closed. They don't have any kids in hockey. They don't care. So every, I think when you paint that brush over everybody downtown protesting, that's kind of a dangerous assumption to make because there's people in real like the three of us i know for a fact are all collecting a paycheck and their wife and your wives are collecting a check no one on this podcast has suffered much so i'd have to say that we'd have to really be careful when we we go after somebody that's taking things to a to a new level because there's a lot that's of people, a fair comment i was, you know, I was gonna say that's a fair comment i, I yeah, yeah. totally fair bear because no. you know what if you're pushed if you're if you are suffering and there are I think if anybody is suffering, obviously the the homeless population, that's obviously that's not going well in COVID because there's less people donating. There's less people supporting, you know, uh, social needs out there right now. So that's obviously a segment of the population that's hurting. But the small business owner, the guy who's operating the local restaurant, the guy who's operating the local gym, the guy who isn't being able to be stay open right now. You know, yeah, we we joke, but Jeff, I I have to maybe disagree just a little bit. There will be a point in time when that guy gets frustrated and says enough's enough, and and maybe he is down at the legislature grounds trying to voice his opinion because they're just they're they're done. They they have nothing left to to do but do that. Yeah, like uh, I'll clarify that. Okay, well, I did say I think you're a loser. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough, but but I and I once again, I'm not going to backtrack on that. I, I guess my uh, what I will say is that I have no issue with anyone objecting and voicing their opinion to the government, as I think they should. I just don't think the rally is the right way of going about it. Now, that being said, I don't have an answer on how you do it. Do you not pay your taxes? Because you'll end up in jail. So how how do you voice your You got to wait your government? turn. And, and I honestly think you wait your turn and you voice with your ballot. Yeah, and that's potentially it. But and I, I guess one of the things going on too, though, is I don't think there's a, a ballot option that's going to change what's going on currently. No, so there if, isn't. Yeah, so I don't think anyone's going to swing in on a freedom on a freedom vine and say like we're open. Yeah, Rachel Notley is not going to is not on the stance of keeping things open. She would have this shit locked down harder. I don't know you super well, Jeff, but I I have an assumption if you were in that position, you'd be down there. And I think a lot of people would, and it's just hard for. Are you calling Jeff a loser? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not calling him a loser at all. I, I think, I think, I think when I think if he was in that position, you know, he's not going to sit at home and just curl up in the fetal position and watch everything crumble. He's going to say, you know what, enough's enough. It's I've known Jeff for twenty years. You're a fighter, and if you were, yeah, and you know, that's what yeah, I'm I, saying. You would be fighting for your, but you wouldn't maybe vote. Maybe you would if if Jeff was if you were in the scenario, you wouldn't be out there. I think protesting. But I think you would be a heavy, heavy advocate in regards to making change. And you'd be voicing your opinion somewhere, either be it in the media or social media, or you'd be doing something. You wouldn't just lay over and die. 
I'll, I'll give a little bit of, I, I don't know. Because like Bo alluded to earlier, uh, the three of us have been relatively unaffected, especially at least from a financial standpoint. So it's hard to say. I'm not going to sit here and try to be hypocritical and get on a soapbox and declare that I would never do anything that I was uh, hypocritical about. But there is, yeah, there's a possibility. Like I've said this before about the restaurants. I understand where you open up your restaurant and be like, I'm risking Alberta Health Services or Saskatchewan's farm aid whatever coming down and saying hey you can't open you gotta stay closed i there was a gym there's been plenty of gym owners in the states and i've watched them post their videos with them opening up their gyms and there is a certain admiration i think where i'm like yeah no these guys are fighting for their livelihood i i do respect that it's a form of protest that's a form of protest it is but it's not a rally That's my biggest issue. (laughs) Yeah, because you know what? I think what you link the rally to is, and you've brought it up and you've been told that even by the cops when your parents were down there talking, it's like you get the professional um, protesters come out, either on either side. You get the friggin' neo-Nazis and the left-wing radicalists, you know, uh, coming out and either side of the fence. And they mute the regular guy who is really upset about what's going on. And like you said, when I saw that Toronto protest, there are more normal looking people in that crowd now than there ever was before. And uh, it's concerning because, uh, like I said, I think people are just, they're tired. They're tired. And we need to do something. And and one of the things you can do is get a vaccine in your arm. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's back to paint with one big brush. We got to be careful there. That's all. And, And one thing I've done a few times Brad, I've, I've mentioned it to you. I mean, I've called the premier's office probably four or five times. I get his assistant. And when I get his assistant, the, the beginning of the conversation starts with, are, are you, are you here to take, you know, uh, issues and notes to Scott Moe? And she's like, yes, that's my job. I said, okay, good. Buckle up. We're going into a rant. Right? And I give my, <laughs> I give my. Just a second. I got to, I got to record this for my podcast. I, I, I give, I give my full 20, 20 minute rant. And I even come up the last time I called was this week. I even gave a plan. I said, I, if Scott would phone me back, I'm not pretending to be the smartest guy in Saskatchewan by any means, but I won't just bitch. I'll give you an idea. I got an idea. And she wrote it down. And at this is out of all the calls, she said to me, can I get your name this time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can get my name. Gave her my name, phone number. And I said, is Scott going to call me? And she's like, well, maybe. Likes email. I said, well, no, I'd like a phone call if he'll call me. And she just kind of giggled at the end and said, well, we'll see what happens. But I phone, you know, every other week I phone and I give that lady a rant. Not not rude. I'm not rude or or like, you know, yelling at her. I give her my ideas and I want them passed on to Premier Mo. And I mean, but Bo, every- I commend you because I've never phoned my MLA and I've never phoned the Premier's office. I don't even know where to start on that one. Well, well, and I, I, Jeff, I wouldn't speak for you, but have you ever done that? Because like I've never reached out to a political official and that's probably the right way to go. I, I want to hear Bo's idea, uh, but I will really quickly comment. We had our federal MLA uh, come to our house this week. Uh, I was at work. Tara was working from home. And she was like, I'm like, what did you say? She's like, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, that's a wasted opportunity. I would have just 
laid in. I was super excited. Get off my lawn! No, get no, I, I would be like, you're not leaving. I'd be like, go get, go get your lawn chair. We're talking for a while. But but anyways, Bo, what, what was what was some of the ideas you wanted to pass on? I, I am, well, I'm super interested in this. So, like, you guys can poke holes in it, and lots of people will. But no. I thought about this for a little while. Like, I wanted to think, you know, if I was the premier and I had the stroke, what would I do? Like, what would I do? So I came up with the idea to protect, and I'm going to start off with the charter, just because I think the charter would give any premier a certain blanket of protection. So I would I would bring out all the, the lockdown experts that we already have, like Dr. Shahab and Tam, and I would give them full press, which they've already done. I would then gather the same amount of experts are, that are out there that are saying the lockdowns don't work. And we know that there's tons of these people that are just as educated and are just as many of them or more that are that aren't getting a voice at all to to tell that side of the story. So as the premier, I would cover myself with the charter. I'd give plan A their their opportunity to tell us why we need to be locked down. I would give plan B their opportunity to tell us why we're not locked down or we shouldn't lock down. I would then say as the premier under the charter, I can't force you people to do this due to the charter. So what we're going to do going forward, we're going to leave all the restrictions in place that are in. We're going to open up and those that want to stay restricted with your child at home and do online schooling, that's all going to remain. We're going to do two days of the week where all stores have to be masked. The rest of the week, everything is go and come as you please. And everyone who wants to do sports, anything that anything else is a go. And if you're in the camp of, I want to stay locked down, we will do everything we can that's already in place to give you the state. We, we will phone your employer. Your employer has to supply work from home. School has to apply from work from home. So now we have two camps. We have lockdown camp and we have open camp. Everyone has what they want. The premier is sheltered by the charter. And then the next question they're going to say to me, Bo, is, well, what if the ICUs, the ICUs run over? And I said, well, here's what we're going to do with the ICUs. We're going to leave the, the hospital the way it is. We're going to set up two or three small uh, facilities with military hospital IU, uh, ICU people, and they're only going to look after COVID patients. Nobody goes in there unless they're COVID. So if you've had a heart attack or cancer or wherever in your ICU, you go to the normal hospital. That way we have a separation. We have, we have coverage for ICU and, and then we have a two-tiered system. And I think if you ran that system, you'd take a ton of heat from the left. But after about a month, everyone else around the country would look and say, how come Saskatchewan has got two systems and, and you've got the choice. If you don't want to go to school and you want your kid at home and you want your kid in a mask, that's on you. That's, nobody's complaining. If you want to send your kid like me to school without a mask, uh, I get to do, you know, away we go. We're the taxpayer. I'm still paying $7,000 a year in, in school tax. So I'm the one that should be getting the kid to go to school. If you want to keep them home, you, you, you have to, uh, you do the online schooling. And I, I understand there's some holes in it, but it's a way better system than what we currently have, in my opinion. And, and Kenny or, or Mo, if you brought out the lawyers and you and you got everyone educated on the charter, he's fully protected by it. He could shield himself, wear it around like a blanket, and what's he going to say? <laughs> he would go over to right? one of those so stores you, and get one of the, so, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms printed on a blanket and wear it literally. That would be the way so, to go. So please have at it. Like, tell me what, what what's wrong with that? 
Brad, do you have any initial thoughts? You you go ahead, and uh, then I'll jump in. I, I actually, in all honesty, I I'm I'll I'll prefix this with I would need to see uh I need to just uh, go through some potential ramifications that I'm, I'm potentially not seeing at this point in time. But that being said, it's not a bad idea. Um, I I would think that some people would have an argument in regards to. Well, you're allowing other people's actions to negatively impact me, but let's face it, we if you're in traffic, other people's actions are negatively impacting you on a day-to-day basis anyway. So we have a little bit of that. Um, I truth be told, Bo, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. I think it's quite communist if you think about it. You know, having the masks uh, only open to go to their stores two days a week and having them locked at their home, that's uh that's very communistic. Bradley, you know I'd open up for everybody. <laughs> I gotta keep somebody. I gotta keep that. I gotta keep that crowd a little bit happy. Uh, that's and actually, I'll, I'll give credit. It's a little bit of a, like obviously the idea would be that if you're feeling safe and you want to wear a mask during any other time, you can go ahead and wear a mask. And I don't know, maybe one week it's four days, one day it's one week it's three days. Yeah, whatever you yeah, do make with the it. But, make, make but the like, yeah, it's. It's fairly, quite frankly, in regards to an idea that's come out on those Canadian lads, it's fairly balanced. That's probably the best one we've ever it's probably had. Probably balanced. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, and it's fair for everyone. And and, and you know, I, it's yeah. I feel it. I feel if more people understood the charter, and if the premier had the lawyers up there and everyone discussing it at a lawyer logical term, it would give the premier a lot of shelter. Like he he could he could go like, listen, this this is this is what is your rights. And I'm infringed to do much. So I'm giving you I'm giving you plan A and I'm giving you plan B. You pick which plan you want and we'll move forward. Well, as we've talked a lot about politics and government on those Canadian lads, um, you know, the idea that government is, you know, going to pull it together in the right way and do a good job is generally not the the stance we have taken on this this podcast. So I don't give them uh, a chance in hell of trying to pull something like that off. They were in scramble mode. They're running around the field, getting chased by 300 pound linebackers, be it COVID um, freaking out. What trying to figure out how to get to the end zone. And they're still running around trying to figure, figure them their way out of the locker room, to be honest with you into the game. Cause um any government that's being attacked by the invisible COVID um, is struggling in Canada right now. And obviously that's because one, our government failed to procure the proper amounts of vaccinations for our people. And two, they didn't put enough plans in place when um, things started to spike. Right. And um, they've, the, the, the Kenny government, the Ford government, uh, the, the Quebec government, I don't know what the premier's name is and I don't really care. Um, they've all failed. So, well, maybe Scott Moe will phone and I can help him out. And you <laughs> help Scotty Moe. I just love yeah. that his name is Moe. I know. I, I, call, him like, fa- I call him Farmer Moe. He's a farmer. Right? I, so. I do like that. It's just like it's, it can be a first or last name. Everyone's a fan of that. The first and last name that could be the real first name. But yeah, I, I guess the one thing, and maybe it's, it's too heavy of a topic to dive into in the last five or 10 minutes of this podcast. But um, you, Brad, you were kind of alluding to it to a certain extent is that at this point in time, the Canadian response in regards to the vaccine rollout and having enough supply seems to be fairly wishy-washy. It hasn't been a great success. And I can't help but be drawn to the comparison against the Americans. And, you know, we have a universal healthcare system and 
I would say the Americans, maybe just because of buying power, have done a better job of ensuring that those who want to get vaccines. It's not only buying power. Let's give them credit. They have manufacturing capacity to put together them, like to to manufacture the actual vaccinations. But that being said, you know, being a um, world class, you know, healthcare system, you know, the one of the envies of the modern world, um, Canada has failed miserably. It's because the government, again, failed. The person who was in charge of procuring the vaccinations probably had no business procuring them. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's a massive you know, black eye on, in, in Canadian history. It's going to go down as one of the, the, the failed, you know, the, the biggest failures in our, in our history, in our country. And we'll be talking about that in 50 years, you know, about how the Trudeau government failed. I get a kick out of everybody who talks about that. Well, this is Kenny's fault, you know, that he's, you know, Kenny, Kenny has no control over how many vaccinations get to the provinces. His job is to obviously logistically put them into people's arms, you know, as a government. But when he doesn't have enough supply and he's having to, again, run around the field and try to wake, make, wake, make his way out of the locker room, um, <laughs> which he has a trouble doing anyway to get this done, um, th- there's going to fail. So under supply, poor management at the provincial level, it's a recipe for disaster. So it's a black eye provincially. It's a black eye federally. Um, get out and vote. Hopefully on Ontario and Quebec, help us out and get out, get out this uh, liberal government because uh, another four years of, of Trudeau mania uh, could be dangerous. Well, one other major problem too in all this is the media because the media goes back to my, my first point there back with Scott Moe is that we're not getting anyone asking for that other side of the story. We're not getting our mainstream media is not asking for, hey, there's a group of these experts. Can we hear from there? There's only one set of cheerleaders here. And the main cheerleaders are cheering for constant lockdown. That's all they're cheering for. I listened to Scott Moe's press conference yesterday at three o'clock and all the media had to do. Every question is, why aren't you doing more to lock us down? Why aren't you doing more? There wasn't one question out of all of them that said, hey, is there anyone else out there that's smart that can give us a second opinion that's completely different than locking everyone down? That question doesn't even come up. It's just, why aren't you doing more to to, uh, put us all locked down? That's all they kept asking the poor guy. And it's like the the cheerleaders of the media are just cheering one song, and that's lockdown, lockdown, vaccine, vaccine, lockdown, vaccine. (laughs) That's all you hear. They throw the word variant in there now, variant, variant, variant. So that's all we're hearing. So for the average Canadian that's kind of just getting his news from the mainstream, he's already cooked. He can't even critically think outside of that because he's just – uh, uh, vaccine, uh, lockdown, uh, people are dying, uh, passport. Uh, that's all you hear. We need, you know, it's funny though, (laughs) in the the States, they're not having a vaccine under supply issue. They're having a vaccine. Giving it away. Yeah. They're, they're having a tough time giving it away. So Jesus Murphy, like, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, Bo. It's, uh, um, it, 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 we're being inundated with that negative, new story and Joe public has just completely um, either gotten tired of the narrative. And that's why they're ignoring the seriousness of, of the pandemic, because let's face facts, it is serious. Um, But at the end of the day, 
people are sick and tired of hearing the same thing over and 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 over again because that's what if you turn on the news they literally have a ticker like you're watching a football game of how many people have died how many cases are there how many people have died how many cases are there i want a quick question for jeff because i know obviously he's paid a little bit of attention to rebel because he knew kian was gone so, you know, when we did our first podcast, you, you didn't really even know who Rebel was. And I think you said the last time you're starting to kind of keep them in your, you know, check in on them and see what they're up to. They, they are obviously very anti-lockdown, very, very pro-freedom, very, you know, they're, they're 100% the opposite narrative. But in Canada, they also get put on the, on the shelf as the clown show. So just, Jeff, if you could give me kind of, I know you've had some time with Rebel and, and you know, just what would you give me your take on, you know, what you're seeing from that side of the, the, the narrative of a, of a, a rebel media or a true North or something? Uh, well, I haven't read true North, so I, I will have to just stay on the rebel uh, okay. train. And, and I, I will say like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I think I've made it very clear that I am completely for free speech. Well, I don't really actually, I know Brad's disagreed with me this with me to a certain extent about this, but I actually don't even care if my free speech hurts your feelings or offends you. I am, I'm actually quite fine with that. So in that regard, I'm very happy that like entities like the globe and mail, global national CTV, CBC rebel true. I'm glad these exist because we have to have choice. And quite frankly, if you don't like it, you can choose not to click on it. Um, I'll put it this way. Uh, I am not a convert of rebel media, but I will say that much like when I read uh, a subscription, I subscribe to the Globe Mail, much like when I read a, uh, a, an article there, it makes me think and I go looking for more information. So if anything, I'll give uh, some of the articles on rebel media, some of the videos, uh, some of the cast of characters on it. I do think yeah. are kind of just, they're a cast of characters to a certain extent. But I will say that even we know we beat up on Kian Pexty and I don't feel bad for that, to be honest. But I will say I'm like, even some of the stuff when he was doing the COVID hotels, I'm like, after watching his seven minute expose on it, I went and looked up probably two hours of information to come up with an opinion. And I think that if any entity, any journalistic entity makes you go and look into further detail and maybe educate yourself further, I'm all for it. So uh, if anything, and I don't get me wrong. I have uh, truth be told, I'm not going to sit here and say that everything I've read on there, I was like, that's bullshit. I'm not, I don't agree with that at all. Some of the stuff I did, I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you, there's some you, points there for sure. You know, who's uh, yeah, another, I, another good one out of the States is a- epoch epoch or epoch. E- yeah. I think it's epoch, epoch times. times. They're really epoch good times. too. You get some really good info out of them and they're not quirky or anything. They're just, you know, who's good. The associated press. I just want facts. I want facts uh, and numbers, not a yeah, That's pure I, garbage, Brad. <laughs> pure garbage. Actually, it's funny. I do like I like BBC for like Canadian and American news, just because it is like removed. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, okay, sounds good. But but no, I, as I said, like, um, uh, there is something to be said. I know a lot of people, uh, and this is something I uh, completely disagree with, as I just stated. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place and time for you to kind of open your mind and explore what they're putting forward. Now, as I said, I don't, that doesn't mean you like have to read it and you don't have to read like it's, it's one of the things I don't like when people go like, oh, people are um, putting out racist, hateful material. I once again, I kind of like 
that people are allowed to do that because then I learned that I'm like, well, you're a fucking psychopath and I don't have to listen to your opinion going forward. That being said, uh, just because somebody goes like, well, I think that's blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make it that necessarily. You have to digest it and figure out for yourself where that viewpoint lies. And if you listen to Jordan Peterson, who's one of Canada's more famous, uh, you know, intellectuals, and you listen to him talk about these things, he'll tell you, you have to, you have to, you have to have that back and forth speech to, to critically think the moment you start censoring and, um, you know, uh, restricting people's conversations and editing, you're going to lose a lot of the ability to solve problems because you're only going to get one narrative. And as soon as you lose the ability to attack another narrative, you don't get the, uh, the ability to come up with better ideas. Well, it's like if you put yourself in an echo chamber, you're never going to expand your mind. Now, I am currently reading a textbook on injuries. It's about 500 pages, so I got like a little bit of reading ahead of me. But after that, I do have Jordan Peterson's new book. So I will offer a book report up on Jordan Peterson's new book in about six months' time when I'm done reading about back pain. So, <laughs> Bradley? This was a very enlightening, very fun conversation. I, I think a very mature conversation of different viewpoints of what was going on. But uh, there's one last thing I need to bring up because it is the topic du jour on those Canadian lads. And I know you follow it a little bit, but it kind of ties into news reporting and how society and people, they buy into what the news is telling them as well. So, you know, 10 years ago, if I would have talked to my parents about you know, uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon and UFOs. Um, they would have said, Brad, you're a loon. What are you talking about? Um, you know, there's no such thing. This isn't real. I was talking to my parents the other day at the dinner table because we're vaccinated so we can do that. I'm invincible by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> so I'm talking to them and we just brought up the fact of, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, UFOs and the UAP thing on, on the news and my mom is like, oh, yeah, I saw that on CNN. Yeah, it's real. The UFOs are real. And I'm like, okay. So seven-year-old lady, very, you know, uh, devout to CNN news, things like that. It's been being pounded in that Trump's evil, evil. Trump's awful, awful, awful. You know, Trump aside, whatever he is. She believed every word of CNN said. Well, CNN told her that UA UFOs and UAPs are real. She now believes. So that's very, power. very powerful, very, very powerful. powerful. And, you know, now that the UAP and UFO um, uh, topic is very mainstream, we're talking NBC Nightly News now, um, CNN, Fox News, all the major news outlets are reporting on this topic. Um, very interesting, right? Like uh, there's uh, Lou Elizondo who was the former lead of the A-TIP um, uh, group within the Pentagon. Um, some people had come out, I think it was Gotti Schwartz, who's on NBC Nightly News. He asked the Pentagon um, <laughs> if Lou Elizondo was ever involved, and they said no, he was never involved in the Pentagon. Well, he has a letter written by Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid, saying, no, that is not a fact. He, Lou Elizondo was part of the ATEP uh, group and a lead of it and essentially caught the U.S. government lying to the public uh, about this individual. 
who is obviously one of the leads in bringing out this news campaigning within the Pentagon, who knows, maybe part of the whole system trying to get government funding for more military spending as Jeff had brought up in, in past podcasts. But um, that being said, people, the if you tell me your government doesn't lie to you, that is a prime example of the government oh. lying. Because uh, that is, that is like groundbreaking stuff. And like, again, being reported on by the NBC nightly news. Well, right. So one thing, one thing, Brad, just to touch quick, and I know we're, we're almost out of time, but the UFO COVID vaccines, all these things that we're talking about when you're talking with your mom, who's 70 and, and even certain people in, in society, doesn't matter what age you're now tapping into everyone's fundamental belief system. And that's an important part of everybody's makeup. So some people, they just, their fundamental belief system, if you're going to go hit it, hit the foundation of that with a sledgehammer and try and crack it, they're not going to be too happy with that. Like, so, it, you know, some people just can't fathom the fact that, you know, big pharma and the government and, and all these people have your best, in their mind, everyone is out to take care of them. No one would ever rob, steal, or do anything harmful the system is there for their benefit only that's their belief system so when we talk these topics for some people they're just they, they, they can't correlate that it's like telling someone who's very religious that you know god doesn't exist they're just they're not going to have that conversation with you because you're beating on their foundation of belief with a sledgehammer and it's just it's not going to uh you know until cnn comes along and tells your mom then then ufos exist but yeah you're playing with you're you're playing with people's fundamental fundamental core beliefs and and uh you know everybody's fundamental core beliefs are different and and some aren't very open till much except for everybody's there to take care of them and the next person like myself kind of questions everything and has a hard time you know buying into a lot of the, the mainstream bullshit but that's why i feel that disclosure is soon if someone who would have called me crazy 10 years ago is now saying, oh no, those are real and not well, freaking maybe. out and lighting their hair on fire and, and lighting their house on fire and, you know, saying the, the rapture is coming and all this, you know, people are prepared now for the big shift. Well, you might even get to meet them sooner. That new vaccine might change your DNA and maybe that's like an <laughs> alien MRA DNA change. Maybe as long as I can go to a hockey game and I turn into a reptilian, go Edmonton reptilians. Yeah, I, I, that was awesome, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, what a, this, let's call ourselves uh a media outlet to a certain extent we are reporting are we, we a media outlet now yeah well we supply information we're giving opinions i will it'll be my life's mission on this on this podcast to convince as many people as i can that i've said this time and time again politicians the government nobody is helping you they they are here for, to line their own pockets people are self-serving they not are a job they're lazy they a huge pension well, it's not not even that, but like even like like just bureaucratic garbage. It is it, it, nobody's here to nobody's here to help you. It is what it is. Sorry, it, I know people think the best of people. I don't. Bradley, Bradley, your vaccine just made the share price go up at Axerveta. That's really what you did. You got the <laughs> shareholder more money. 
Maybe Brad I'm looks pissed. Girl, That's or... powerful stuff. <laughs> Give Brad more. I'm going to get look, 10 of them. Brad looked mad at that comment. He's like, what? So uh, that being said, we are coming up on probably one of our longer ones. We usually try to tap out about the hour mark. So I'll, I'll before I have a closing remark, but I'm going to leave it with you guys. Uh, Bo, how, how do you want to leave us this evening? You know what? Um, anyone that tunes in and listens, I know we're in a shock and awe of media and negative news and COVID. I just, I think everyone should take a big step back of, from all of it and maybe take a break. But when you do look at the numbers and the vaccines and the deaths, do me a favor and, and, and look at the real data. Start looking at who's getting paid. Look at how much money's going to the vaccine companies. Look how many billions are getting funneled out of, of uh, the government. And don't, you know, question, turn off CBC, CTV, and dive into some different kind of news and educate yourself and question everything. My final statement, question everything. Oh, I like it. Brad? Deep. Okay, so I don't generally agree with the new Democratic Party of Canada at the federal level, level gentleman named Jagmeet, Jagmeet Singh, who's the leader of the new Democratic Party of Canada. But he came out this week and was talking about a um, essentially a tax on companies that are super profiting off the, 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 the pandemic. And there are companies that are profiting hugely off the pandemic um, they're generally, these types of taxes are put in during, you know, wartime, um, to, uh, you know, to discourage profiteering and, 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 and all that kind of stuff during, um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, bad things happening. So, um, I'm not, a, I'm not totally against that. Right. And when we look at what's going on in society right now, um, that would be one way to combat it and pay for potentially supporting people. So, um, I'm not shifting, you know, all the way over to, uh, to the left there on that one, but I thought that was a really intriguing, um, scenario to put in place because the Costco's of the world, the Walmart's of the world, they're all making out, uh, like bandits right now, um, in regards to making money and Joe public who owns a restaurant or owns a corner store um they're struggling right so um again going back to everything support local try to do everything you can to to support your local comp businesses um in, in this trying time because um they're the ones that are hurting they're they're the ones that are being devastated by this um not the big the big businesses out there right so um but that being said you know that's all i got tonight you, that sounds like a full, his finger, so. That's a full endorsement for my plan A and B, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an NDP plan, Bo. Um, yeah, call me. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> don't don't punch me in the face. <laughs> I think Bo could take you. I, I only I only see like three quarters of his face through most of this podcast, uh, but I'm getting the feeling he could take you. Um, <laughs> I'm lighter now. I'm faster on my feet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely off script. Um, the NFL draft kicks off tomorrow uh, and through the weekend. Local Edmonton boy Chuba Hubbard, uh, Oklahoma State Cowboy, is gonna go in this year's draft. Um, in my opinion, probably should have declared a year prior when he ran for almost 2,100 yards. Probably would have been almost a guarantee, at least second round pick. He's probably gonna go closer to the fourth round. 
So I just want to uh, wish the young man luck. Uh, hopefully the mighty Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, draft him and he wins a Super Bowl ring in his rookie season. But I will say, given the opportunity, he will be a member of my fantasy team next year. So I just want to wish him luck going forward and uh, kick ass in your NFL career, sir. In five years, he'll be running uh, touchdowns in for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, his NFL career will not be anything. God, I hope not. He's he's fucking good. He is fast. So, anyways, that being said, boys, thank you very much for tuning in, and have yourself a good evening. Thanks again for listening to those Canadian Lads podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We're on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, give us a follow and share it with your friends. Thanks again and have a great night.